Jackbox Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tech Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine from Oklahoma State University. And on today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Craig Wood from the University of Kentucky. He is the Assistant Director of Extension. That's right. Hi, Chris. Thanks for being here with us, Craig. And Craig, you actually also were the APHA past president, is that correct? Yes, I was president for APHA in 2017 and 18, and I'm serving as the immediate past president now. Gotcha. So if we have any pain horse questions, we know who to ask. I can answer them. That's perfect. And we also have Dr. Colleen Brady from Purdue University. Hello, everyone. So what we're going to be talking about today for our horse story is not really a story about the horses, but our rider. So we're going to be uh, talking about teaching an old rider new tricks. So apparently, Colleen and Craig, you both are now trying some new things from what you used to do in your past. So Colleen, we'll get started with you. What was your riding background before your new trick? <laughs> well, basically, I think probably like a lot of our listeners, um, I grew up in a 4-H program and we had a horse in the backyard and well, we did just about everything, but growing up in Wisconsin, most of it was Western. But I was always really interested in riding English. Um, and then when I went to college, I, I, I started to learn how to ride hunt seat a little bit. But my real passion was saddle seat. So for a long time, um, I was involved in the saddle seat industry and rode saddle seat horses. Wow. Actually, I didn't even know that about you. So what kind of saddle seat horses did you ride? Um, Arabians, primarily. I actually worked with a trainer in uh, Michigan and had the opportunity to work with national caliber saddle seat horses and really enjoyed it a lot. Um, learned a tremendous amount, the most important, which was probably that I was never going to be a horse trainer. Gotcha. <laughs> valuable information. Valuable information. So was learn. that the, so in Arabians, would that have been like country English pleasure, English pleasure? We had primarily English pleasure and, and um, actually this was long enough ago that country English pleasure was just coming into the Arabian industry, but in our barn, we had primarily English pleasure and park horses um, and did them under saddle and in harness. Gotcha. And then had a couple of pretty well-known breeding stallions. One was named Huckleberry Berry and the other was a Fire Bay V. So anybody who's familiar with Arabian breeding will probably be familiar with those two names. But um, so yeah, that's what, I, that's what I did for a long time. And then even into college, um, rode primarily saddle seat. And what I always thought that you were doing was doing more dressage horses. So when did you make the switch to dressage? Actually, I did that um, after I graduated from college and I got a job and I decided I wanted to have a horse that I did the training on. And it's really difficult to be competitive at the um, national level in saddle seat without sh sending your horse to a trainer. And I think because I had lived in that world for a long time, I was well aware of that. And I knew I would not be satisfied um, to just show locally. And so I decided to just do a shift and shift disciplines. And I started to ride dressage. Okay. So did your saddle seat background help out at all with riding dressage? Or was it, hey, I got to learn some new tricks? I had to learn quite a few new tricks. Um, 
you know, basics are the same, your leads, your diagonals, um, a lot of things, riding with a relatively long leg, um, but definitely a different way in using your legs and the coordination of cues from hand to leg is definitely a different emphasis. And you had massage. to slow down a bit, right? Um, some degree. Now, the trainer I worked with, we used a lot of dressage principles um, in the training in terms of flexion and uh, lateral flexibility and things like that. But, but yeah, it's definitely, it's a very different frame. I had to get used to the horse's uh, neck not being straight up in front of me, but especially at the lower levels, reaching more out in front of you. And it, it took a little while to get used to the head being in a different spot. Gotcha. And now, from my understanding, you've decided to uh, start going over things these days. Is that correct? That is correct. So I am now boarding at a barn that's probably one of, well, it is the most active eventing barn in my part of the state. And uh, so I've decided that, uh, with not really peer pressure from everybody else, but they all just look like they're having so much fun out there on that cross-country course and stuff. So at the age of something over 50, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> We what, won't disclose. <laughs> I have decided to event. And so I have started uh, learning how to jump, which I haven't done since I was back in college. Oh, wow. First learning how to ride in a hunt saddle. So, so, so now a lot of, uh, I know a lot of riders that actually back off from the jumping as they've uh, matured, I guess, in their riding career, but you are actually running towards it? I would say right now we're more trotting towards it. <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> um, in, in eventing, there are multiple levels. Uh, so you can actually start even with showing at schooling shows as low as jumping over 18 inch cross rails. Okay, so we're not jumping off the cliff. No, and, like I'll, and I'm not planning to ever jump off the cliff. There are multiple levels um, and they start with about 18 inch jumps and that's even, that, that's actually called green as grass. Um, and then you move up gradually about six to eight inches up per level. So that's actually really good information because I guess if, if somebody would tell me, hey, I'm doing eventing, I picture, you know, what I've seen on TV, like the Rolex and the horses leaping over giant logs and, and my hat was off to you. I was like, wow, she's really brave. But apparently there's a gentler way to get started. Yeah, I'm not that brave. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what is We been... have jumped over a log, but it was only 18 inches high. <laughs> so, so what's been the biggest challenge, do you think, trying out something like this you know i think i think the biggest thing for me is actually you know uh, there's some fear you know i mean i was so comfortable doing what i was doing um to try to do something different but you know i i'm in a very very supportive environment and everybody cheers each other on and you know encourages each other and and i have a really good instructor i mean i can't imagine trying to do this so is without that a good instructor do you have fear of like literally getting hurt because you're jumping things or fear like, ooh, I'm going to look silly because I'm not as good at this compared to other people? Probably more of the look silly. Okay. Because I have a pretty reliable, he's a young horse, but he's pretty reliable and he likes to jump and he pretty much just does his job as long as, I figure if I get it 60% right, Bo will take care of the other 40%. Um, unlike some horses, which it's really important to me as a, mature person taking on something that, like you said, some people are going, um, most people are backing off it, but I have a, a pretty reliable, trustworthy horse. Um, 
So that helps. He builds a lot of confidence in me. So it's probably like most people, sort of a fear of trying something new. Something new. Gotcha. Yeah. Something, because again, I'm jumping 18 inches right now. It's not, you know, by, by later in the spring, our goal is to actually do a uh, combined test in May where we do the cross country and the um, stadium jumping. And of course we have the dressage dump cold. <laughs> so that's your wheelhouse. So, so Craig, now we're gonna ask, what are you up to these days that you're trying out new? Well, you know, hearing uh, Colleen talk about her jumping deal, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in Southwest Texas. And uh, so we had mainly stock horses, quarter horses. And my grandfather had running quarter horses. So I rode a lot of his running quarter horses. So you that, started with racehorses. Yeah, so, you know, so I, I got this sense of liking to go fast, you know. So then I moved to Kentucky. Uh, and, they go really fast in Kentucky, they go really right? Fast in Kentucky. <laughs> so then I got involved with uh, fox hunting, which I'd never done that, never jumped anything. So I'm, I'm kind of like Colleen. I was a little older when I started jumping for the first time, but I think that tie of going fast with the racehorses and going fast on the fox hunting field was kind of what drew me to it. And when you're going really fast and jumping, you don't have time to think about it. So, you know, it just happens, you go over. And we always thought, you know, we didn't really worry about form as much as what they might do in the show ring, like how Colleen's going to have to deal with and all that. We figured if you went over the jump and you landed on the other side on the horse, your form was good enough. Good enough. So it sounds like the cross country course. <laughs> so, so going fast and just, it, it just happens. Well, are there times where it doesn't just happen? Oh yeah. There's plenty of times where it doesn't happen, you know, where, but, you know, I think the thing is you got a reliable horse, and I always made sure I had one like Colleen because, you know, I'm an old guy. So uh, I wanted a horse that, you know, if I got there and I wasn't doing something exactly right, he knew what to do, and he went on and carried me over the fence. But there are lots of times that things didn't happen the way you kind of envisioned them in your mind as you were going through it. So, you know, but, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, we had a good time. So are you still fox hunting? No, I don't fox hunt as much now. I've transitioned into uh, trying to do, you know, there's a lot of popularity in the ranch events. Right, so right. I've transitioned into trying to rope. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You said you came from Texas right. and rode stock horses and you didn't rope? No, I didn't rope much. Not much in, not, not much in Texas. You know, we had run a quarter horses, so we didn't do that very much. So now I've tried to do that. And now... What we do with the ranch stuff is not like you see in the rodeo where you break from the box and it's a timed event. It's a much slower kind of activity. But the hardest thing I have to, to struggle with is to make my hands work independently of each other. Because when you're twirling the rope and you have the slack of the rope in your hand, the coil of the rope in your other hand with the reins in there, it's amazing how when you throw the rope with your right hand, your left hand wants to come up to your chin. Gotcha. And that's not a good thing because that tells the horse to stop. Right. And you're trailing the calf and trying to rope it and all that. Well, then that makes everything kind of crash down, you know. So I spent a lot of time standing on the ground practicing throwing the rope, you know, roping a dummy. And then I got on my horse and I sat on the horse just standing still and roped the dummy and all that. But it's amazing how everything changes when all the parties involved start moving. Right. So you're moving, the horse is moving, the cow is moving, right. the rope is moving. The rope is moving. Even though we never really probably get out of a trot, you know, it's still not as easy as it looks. So these old cowboys you see that rope like that all the time, that's some real talent that they have there. So uh, 
is that hard for you? Because you, you, you're a pretty experienced writer, but now doing something where you're going to be not very good at it, my guess. Or are right. you good at it right now? No, I'm not. I'll admit, I'm not very good at it right now. You know, I might catch one out of 10 times. Gotcha. You know, but I'm, I'm working hard at it. But yeah, there's this whole deal about, like Colleen was saying, you know, it's more about not the fear of anything happening, but, you know, what do I look like? You know, because we all have this image of ourselves wanting to look good when we're riding and roping and all that. But, you know, the people we do it with are very supportive. Uh, there's a lot of joking that goes on if you happen to not do something exactly right. So, you know, and everybody's willing to help each other, like Colleen was saying. You know, everybody helps, gives you pointers and all those kinds of things to help it out. So my my comment here, though, or, or maybe this is a question with that peer pressure looking silly, you've ended up in positions where you're kind of in charge of people. How does that feel to be like, oh, I was the president, but I can't rope? Right. And, and uh, I'll tell you, you know, one of the first shows, big shows I went to where I was doing that, I was really kind of apprehensive about going in there because, you know, I had all my peers in the stands, other people that knew me as as president of the American Pain Horse Association. And then I go in there to rope and I had this image of I had to be perfect, which really kind of didn't help me when I went in there the first time <laughs> to, to do that event. And I really didn't do very good. I threw the rope and I hit the cap right on the top of the head, right okay. between the ears with the hunt. You hit him? I hit him, yeah, but that was <laughs> it. Okay. And then I pulled back too hard with my left hand and the horse threw her head up in the air and then we were backing up. So, I mean, it was a disaster, but then, I kind of got over that and figured, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. Nobody has these high expectations other than I put on myself. And everybody else talked about, you know, hey, that was good. We like to see you out there and all that. So most of it was me putting on pressure of my, on myself. So it sounds like, you know, trying trying new things in the horse sports is probably similar to others. We're just afraid of looking silly and maybe right. there's not as much to worry about as you think. Well, I definitely think, too, getting in an environment where you have supportive people around you is really helpful. I know if I was in a different environment, I don't know that I would feel as excited, actually, about taking on learning this new thing. But, you know, I've a, again, I'm in a barn full of people that you know, there's other people my age that are also trying some of this for the first time. And so we kind of have our own little group that rides together and we take lessons together and we can encourage each other. Um, and I think having a encouraging people and supportive people makes it because it does take that pressure off of looking silly. Right. And yeah. everybody looks silly sometimes. Right. And I think another thing is, you know, changing the way the, the, the different activities you try to do on a horse. I don't like the saying that it keeps you young, but it keeps you fresh. You know, it keeps me thinking about different things, using different muscle groups and all that, you know, and helps me ride a little bit better in all, you know, any discipline that I might want to do. So I would encourage people to explore new things and try it because you'll find people out there, like Colleen said, they're very supportive and help you get started and help you get going. And, and it's just fun trying different things. And you'll definitely try use some different muscle groups because yeah. oh, yeah. after a jumping lesson, my legs are talking a whole different language than they are after a flat lesson. Right. So let me ask you some nuts and bolts, because I think at least on the horse side, it's different than saying, well, I want to learn how to knit or I need some yarn and apparently those knitter things. But uh, on a, there needles. you go, needles. needles. So needles. that's how much I knit. So on a, uh, with horses, did you guys have to get all new equipment? Did you need a new horse? Like uh, this could be a pretty big endeavor into changing to a new well, discipline. 
yeah, with, with the fox hunting, I had to get a different horse. I had to get a different kind of horse to do that because the horses I had at the time would not suit that uh, particular activity. So I went out and uh, I found me a thoroughbred off the racetrack uh, and got him started over jumps and all that. And, and that's how we got started with that. Now, with the roping, I had a, a paint horse that I had bred and raised. And uh, she was a, a good mover. She had a really good mind. Uh, we put her on cows for the first time and she really kind of took to it. And after working with her for a little bit on teaching her how to track and all that, she picked it up really good. So with that regard, no, I didn't have to go out and find another horse for that. Did you have to get new equipment though for yourself? I had to buy a rope. So that's pretty low yeah. cost, but what yeah. about the cows? Where do you, did you have to buy well, cattle? Well, what we did initially is we had a, we bought a uh, fake calf, plastic calf on two wheels that we pulled behind the four wheeler. That way we could control how fast and all to teach the horse to track and be in the right spot. So we could speed up, slow down. So the horse learned to gauge where she needed to be in relation to that calf. But then we went out and bought a couple of corrientes all uh, right, what's a Corriente? Well, it's a Mexican cow, Mexican breed of a cow. We bought a steer and a heifer. Uh, they uh, have horns, but small horns, and that way we can track them around and all that. So we have a pair that we just put out there and we push them around. One's really kind of docile. The other one will challenge you a little bit, which is good because you know you need to experience all of that. And then we try to rope them. You know, and sometimes I rope myself. Sometimes I manage to, <laughs> to, to get the rope around the steer. So. And they're pretty good sports about the Oh, yeah, thing. they're great sports about it, yeah. <laughs> the horse is even becoming a good sport about it. She kind of tolerates kind of the stuff that I do with the rope and all that. So. They probably are chuckling in their head. They go, oh, boy. <laughs> so, so, Colleen, did you have to uh, change horses or equipment or any anything like that? Well, because, uh, you know, part of eventing is dressage. So, you know, that equipment all was good. Um, and I actually happened to be um, in a transition between horses because of a health issue uh, with my previous horse. So um, when I went out to look for a horse, this time I did, which I, which I would have looked for a horse anyway. Um, I just, one of the criteria became, I want something that will be rely actually my criteria where I want something 10 to 12 years old that has um, a lot of experience um, packing a, a, an inexperienced rider over fences and if we have to do some maintenance health care that's fine so I bought a four-year-old off the track thoroughbred yeah um, 12 years that fit that yeah way. yeah fit <laughs> right into that criteria um, but he has an amazing mind um, and he is super and it's actually been a really, really good fit. And he's a quality enough mover. Um, he's actually quite a nice mover for a thoroughbred. Um, that if I lose my courage um, on this eventing thing and decide, you know, maybe I should just go back to dressage. He's a he's a he's a horse that's a quality that that I could just do dressage with. But um, he's been a lot of fun to jump. And so the only equipment I had to buy is I had to buy a jump saddle. Okay, so um, not too. Too not, much more of an investment. Well, especially not when I'm the third person in our barn to own this particular saddle, because as people get horses and different horses, and if I was going to move up to a higher level that I might have to get a different horse, because that's why this horse became available while he was on the track, he bowed a tendon. And it's, it's a cold bow, it's completely healed, and he'll be fine for the level at which I want to compete, but the person that owned him had... Um, 
visions of competing at a higher level that he might not, it might have put too much stress on that leg. Um, but as people get horses, a lot of times they have to change saddles and stuff because they don't fit correctly. So this saddle has worked its way around multiple horses in the barn. And so when I was looking for a jump saddle, somebody said, hey, I have this one that's been in my basement for three years. And um, it fits us both great and was a pretty minimal investment. So do you guys have any tips for folks that are thinking about maybe trying something new with their horse and they're not a teenager? I'd say just go ahead and do it. So you you're going to Nike there, and just yeah, jump right just in. Just step out there and do it. You know, and start slow. Don't jump and try to beat the top level. You know, start mm -hmm. slow. Uh, get, you know, get some help. And people are more than willing to help if you need that. Find some people to do it. Go to a couple of those events so you see how those things are run. And just get involved with it because if you have an interest in it, you'll end up enjoying it. And I would agree the same thing. Find a good group of people to work with that's in that event or in that sport that can give you advice. And most event, most sports do have multiple levels, like Chris had said. And, and that was my thought too when I first thought about eventing was, oh my gosh, all I'd ever seen what was on, you know, the, the four star and the three star in the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. I had no idea they had cross-rail classes. Some schooling shows have class. It's literally a pole on the ground is your, is your, you know, so even if it's something, you know, explore, there might be a really nice entry level place to come in that lets you kind of figure out if that's a sport you really want to pursue. But most importantly, I think, is that you're having fun with your horses and getting out there and being brave and not just staying in a rut. And not worrying so much for me, it's not even about my prizes. You know, it's a sense of accomplishment to me every time I complete a course. You oh know, yeah, I mean, you it know, doesn't matter where I place, as long as I can rope that calf, that I succeeded, you, yep, know? you know? I may I, not win the class, I might not even place, but you know, you gotta start somewhere. Small accomplishments, that's what I like, yep. so. And, and I think that is one thing that comes with maturity, is the ability to appreciate the success of achieving a goal that you set yourself that's not necessarily dependent on a judge's opinion. Right. Well, thanks guys for joining us today and, and sharing a little bit about your new experiences and being brave and stepping out to try new things. And with that, we'll wrap up our extension horses, horse stories with purpose. Thanks guys. Bye, thank you all for coming. Goodbye, thanks Chris. For more information on horse training or other topics, please visit extensionhorses.org.